Chapter Ten of Short Stories for Colored People, Both Old and Young, by Silas X. Floyd. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Not fit to know. Susan and Mammy and Lillian and Marjorie were always close friends. They usually went together and played together, and it was very unusual to see one of them without the others. At school they always made it a rule to lunch together and play together. One day at recess they were standing in a little group all by themselves when Francis joined them. "'What are you talking about, girls?' asked Francis in cheerful tones. "'I'm telling them a secret,' said Susie, "'and will let you know too, Francis, if you'll promise not to tell anyone.' "'I'll promise not to tell anybody but my mother,' said Francis, "'for I have made it a rule to tell my mother everything.' "'No, you can't even tell your mother,' answered Susie. "'You must not tell anyone in the world.' "'Well, then, I refuse to hear it,' said Francis, as she walked away. "'For what I can't tell my mother is not fit for me to know. "'Don't you think Francis was right, girls?' "'I think so.' "'As soon as little boys and girls begin to listen to words and stories "'which they would be ashamed to repeat to their mothers, "'they are on the road to temptation.' and nobody can tell how soon they will reach the end, which is always disgrace and death. I wish all the boys and girls who will read this book would make the reply of Francis their motto, What I cannot tell my mother is not fit to know. Stick to this rule through thick and thin, and you will avoid many of the snares and pitfalls by which many of your companions and playmates sink into shame and sin. Don't read a note that you would be afraid to have your mother read. Don't look at a picture that you would be ashamed to have your mother see. Don't speak any word, and don't allow any to be spoken to you, that you would not like to have your mother hear. A girl's best friend is her mother. A boy's best friend is his mother. And, boys and girls, be very sure that if a thing isn't fit for your mothers to know, it isn't fit for you to know. THE RIGHT WAY Henry Oliphant always considered himself lucky whenever he was able to get a ride on the streetcars without paying for it, or get a glass of soda water or be admitted to some public place, where an admission fee was charged, without paying the price. He was bragging one day to some of his boyfriends that he had not paid anything to witness the school exhibition the night before. Frank Sewell was brave enough to chide him for having done so. Frank was a plain-spoken boy, and Henry didn't like what Frank had said. He thought what he had done was all right, while Frank had said it was all wrong. Anyhow, Henry decided to get his father's opinion on the matter. Father, he said, when night had come, I got in the hall last night for nothing. How was that? I just walked by the doorkeeper and he didn't ask me for any money. Did the doorkeeper see you? Well, father, that was his business. He was put there for that purpose. He ought to have seen me. But I ask you, Henry, whether the doorkeeper saw you. I want you to answer that question. I don't know, sir. Do you think he saw you? I don't know, sir. Well, Henry, if he had seen you, don't you think he would have asked you for your money or a ticket? I guess so, father, but he didn't ask me for anything. Well, now, Henry... You know that a charge of ten cents was made at the door, and that no one had a right to enter who had not paid the ten cents. You did go in without paying. Now, 
whether the doorkeeper saw you or not do you think that that was quite honest on your part was that the right way for you to act well i would have paid him if he asked me i wasn't the doorkeeper i guess the man who stole our wood last week would have paid me if i had seen him and asked him but we called that stealing but father i did not take anything from the doorkeeper who gave you the money with which to pay your admission mother where is that money now i have it but i didn't take it from the doorkeeper but you kept it from him henry it belongs to the doorkeeper he gave you its value my son the right way is whenever you buy anything whether it be a ride or a glass of soda water or permission to see a concert whenever you buy anything you ought to pay for it if you don't you are no better than a common robber you must go today and give mr hall that ten cents keeping friendship in repair the two paths i sometimes think that boys and girls and even old people are often careless in the matter of their friendships not careless in the matter of selecting friends though i am sure there is room for improvement along that line but careless in trying to keep the good friendships we have already formed we ought to keep our friendships in repair perhaps you think that our friendships are not things which need to be kept in repair how foolish it is to think so does a garden need to be weeded does an old fence need to be kept in repair do we paint our houses only once in a century what about the musician does he not need to keep in practice supposing that you never kept your muscles in repair by constant use or exercise how long would you be strong and healthy and do you think that your friendships because they are in a way intangible you cannot see them handle them or taste them do you think that they grow and thrive of their own accord and therefore do not need to be kept in repair slights snubs angry words unpleasant conduct long-continued lack of association long-continued lack of familiar intercourse and coldness even where the meetings are periodic these things boys and girls will kill the warmest friendship and choke the tenderest love so we ought to be careful to keep our friendships in repair if we had no friends in this world no playmates and companions no kindred spirits into whose keenest sorrows and highest joys we entered with deep and full sympathy and who did not enter into our sorrows and joys in the same way if we had no friends in this world with all of its wealth and splendor we should not desire to live very much longer but to have friends and to be friendly goes a long way towards making the world a beautiful and blessed place to live in how then may we keep our friends easy enough by cultivating them and we cannot keep them in any other way we should take time to be friendly little notes little presents little visits little social entertainments little kindnesses these things and things like them go a great way in cementing our friendships in tying people to us as it were with hooks of steel we should not neglect these means of keeping our friendships in repair always give your friends a cordial welcome in your homes and your little children's parties let them feel make them feel that their coming adds to your pleasure without increasing your burdens don't be selfish and narrow be broad-minded and liberal 
keep your friendships in repair and then see if you do not find your horizons broadened your life sweetened and the weary weight of this sad old world lightened little annie's christmas christmas morning came daylight was just peeping into the room poor little annie the cripple awoke and turned her eyes towards the corner where she had hung her stocking the night before surely she thought as she watched it there could not be very much in it because it didn't seem to be any larger than it was when she had hung it up after a while she crept slowly to where it was she did not take her crutches for fear she would disturb her mother who slept in the same bed with her it was hard for her to move around without her crutches but she persevered and finally reached her stocking she put out her thin little hand and felt it yes there was something in it then she put her hand inside and took out something which seemed round and soft she took it out and looked at it it was a little cake poor little annie smiled and put her hand back into the stocking this time she found something which was done up in paper she opened the paper and found a whole dozen of gumdrops how brightly her little eyes flashed she was only six years old and she had never had so much candy at one time in all her life by and by her mother awoke she raised her head and saw annie's happy face poor girl she thought how happy i would have been to have bought something else for her but i wasn't able i hope she will be happy with what she has see mother annie cried i have twelve gumdrops and a cake we will eat half of the gumdrops today and save the other half for tomorrow you'll eat three and i'll eat three no annie said her mother you must eat every one by yourself annie smiled but did not say anything little annie's mother was a widow and she was very very poor there were many times when they had only a little dry bread and water for the day's food for this bright christmas season there were many things besides food which she would like to have bought for her poor little crippled child but she did not have any money to pay for playthings or toys after breakfast on this christmas day johnny ray came to see them he brought with him a good thick shawl for annie's mother and four pairs of warm stockings which his mother had sent for annie and also a large package of nice candy little annie's mother cried for joy little annie was too happy to speak she had never dreamed of having so much candy at one time the velocipede race one bright day archibald mounted his velocipede and rode out into the long green lane where he could ride for a long distance without interruption he had left his coat in the house because he knew that riding would make him very warm when he reached the lane the velocipede moved along so smoothly that archibald was very happy by the time he had gone nearly a half a mile he was tired and stopped for a rest pretty soon he heard a noise coming from behind and he wondered what rider it might be on the same track that beautiful spring morning he looked up and saw john smith coming riding a large velocipede and going as fast as he could archibald quickly mounted his wheel and started on a swift run trying to overtake the flying john before they reached the end of the road they saw clara hampton standing by the fence with her little velocipede 
Clara watched the boys as they flitted past. She thought that she could keep up with John, but she was not sure she could ride as fast as Archibald. While she was meditating, Archibald cried out, Clara, you can wait until we finish the race, and then we three will go back together. Archibald reached the end first, but John was not very far behind. When Clara reached them, Archibald said, Now we will all have a fair start and see who will reach the other end first. So they all started in a line. Archibald knew he was the largest and could go the fastest, but as he had won the other race, he did not ride this time as fast as he could. He thought this was the right way to give the others a fair chance. Clara and John reached the other end of the lane at exactly the same time, with Archibald a short distance behind them. John and Clara were greatly delighted because they had won the race from the big boy, Archibald. Archibald was pleased because they were pleased. This was not the only time that Archibald had proved that he was a good and kind boy, and that he was thoughtful of little children younger than himself. From this little story of the Velocipede race, many other little boys and girls may learn a good lesson, I hope, that will do them good all through life. Fault-Finding Faults are the easiest things to find in all this world. A fault is something that can be found without looking for it. And I guess no little boy or girl in all the world knows anything that is easier to find than something that he or she doesn't have to look for. Well, faults are things that we can find without looking for them, so faults are the easiest things to find in all the world. Yet, boys and girls, the habit of fault-finding, or the habit of finding fault, is one of the worst habits that anybody could form. It stamps the person who is so easy to find fault with everything and everybody as being a mean, low, envious, evil-hearted person. It is better to look for something to praise than it is to look for something to blame. Yet there are some people who are so constituted that they do not see any good in anything. When it is cold, it is too cold. When it is hot, it is too hot. They don't like the Vicky kid shoes. They want patent leathers. The singing at church or Sunday school last Sunday was just horrid. Old Mary Jones ought to be taken out of the choir. The preacher preaches too long, or the deacon prays too loud. The school teacher isn't any good. So they go on from day to day, finding fault with everything and everybody. Nothing pleases them. Nothing delights them. If by any chance or mischance they should get to heaven, they would, I believe, find fault with the way the Lord has arranged things up there. They are miserable people to have around, these good-for-nothing, lazy and trifling fault-finders. If you try real hard, boys and girls, you can find something good in everything and in everybody. That is one reason why we do not always see the good in people or things. We don't look for it. We can find out what is bad, can find out the bad things without looking for them, but if we want to see the good things, we must be on the lookout for them. If we are on the lookout, if we make up our minds that we are going to see the good, and only the good, we are always sure to find it. There was an old woman once who was noted for being able to say something good about everything and everybody. 
she was never heard to speak evil of anything or anybody once upon a time a gambler died in the city where she lived he was a miserable sinner and nobody liked him and nobody had a good word to say for him even after he was dead aunt maria the good old lady went to see him after he'd been put into his coffin the people who were present wondered what good thing aunt maria could possibly say about the dead sinner aunt maria entered the room and walked around on tiptoe after a while she raised her head and said friends i tell you he makes a mighty nice-looking corpse gross deception wistfully down the street she strolled from side to side her eyes she rolled till far away her eyes she cast on the grateful form of a man at last she smoothed her hair and she quickened her pace hoping she'd meet him face to face but when she reached him she felt awful sore twas a figure of wax in front of a store random remarks in the olden times parents used to rule their children but in these days and times there are many people who believe that the children rule their parents so many misguided parents in these days and times believe in sparing the rod and spoiling the child boys don't get many whippings at home nowadays and if a boy happens to get a good flogging at school it will cause a big row and sometimes cause the teacher to be threatened with arrest whenever my teacher used to whip me i was always afraid to mention it at home for fear of getting another i heard a man say the other day never whip a child raise your boy on love and kindness and reason yes and when that boy is twelve or thirteen years old somebody will have to go to him and talk to him and try to persuade him not to whip his father or mother i was at church the other day and i saw two boys about ten or eleven years old after service they lit their cigarettes and went marching off as big as trip a man of the old school looked at them for a while and then turning away he said i just wish i could have my way with those boys for about two minutes i didn't say anything but deep down in my heart i sympathized with the old man and felt that both of the youngsters ought to have had a good whipping some girls are almost as bad as some boys girls are most too fast in these days as soon as they get their dresses to their shoe tops they are gone they go crazy over their clothes for they think that they must keep in the fashion they read too much trash for they think that is the way refined and cultured people do old-fashioned modesty is at a discount the girls don't wait for the boys to come now that is many of them don't they go after them i have seen some girls running around in these new-fashioned nightgowns and they call it a mother hubbard party if their mothers don't allow them to go with the boys they will slip around and meet them somewhere anyhow and where they are allowed to go with the boys they generally go to extremes what business has a little girl ten or twelve or fourteen years old to be locked arms with a little stripling of a boy going home at night from church or some social entertainment it always disgusts me whenever i see it worse than a mannish boy is a womanish girl what business has a little girl or a larger one to allow a man to throw his arm around her waist in the round dance 
it is immodest to say the least and there is not a good mother in the land who approves it a girl who goes to a promiscuous ball and waltzes around with promiscuous fellows puts herself in a promiscuous fix to be talked about by the dudes and rakes and fast young fellows who have encircled her waist slander is very common i know especially slander of young ladies there are not many young ladies who escape it but the trouble about it is that it is not all slander some of it is the truth in olden times when folks got married they stayed married but nowadays the courts are full of divorce cases the land is spotted with what are called grass widows and in many a household there is hidden grief over a daughter's shame why is it what causes it lack of proper training and care of the young habits are great things good habits or bad habits if girls are reared to clean their teeth and keep their fingernails clean they will keep them clean all their lives if boys are reared to chew tobacco and smoke they will never quit the same about loving and courting and getting married much depends upon training upon habits young flirts make old flirts young devils make old devils End of chapter 10